You're listening to ASD Warrior, a podcast about the journey of getting your PhD in your child on the spectrum. With over a decade of success and challenges, it's time to share and support all of you ASD Warriors. Hosted by your always passionate and wildly intense ASD Warrior teacher, child advocate, and mom, Kathy Galbraith Willoughby. Today on ASD Warrior, um, we're going to talk about what I think might be the biggest sensory impact on our kids. What we can do to make it better and easier when we can see it, how it affects them, and maybe some strategies on how we make it a little bit easier for them. So stay tuned. One of the hardest things I think for me in in finding out and and really developing an awareness of environment impact to my son and how it affected his world when certain things weren't necessarily ideal and what ideal was for him and how his world was different and impacted by different things. I think in the beginning, we really strive to find those very obvious things that cause them problems, disconnection, um, really cause stress to them. And a lot of it is, you know, loud sounds. It could be, you know, people in their face. It could be not wanting to make eye contact because it's too much going on. I mean, it's all these things that in the beginning really kind of pull us together and kind of give us a little bit of box checking moments on some things that we kind of as a community have identified that could be stressors for them. Uh, Sensory overload. Um, When those things become too much for them to cope. But one of the things that I found out most recently was really eye-opening to me. And that was how connected he was to me, my levels of stress, my impatience, my frustrations, anger at times, whatever it is that I'm going through and how completely connected he is to me and how it has affected him so much. So I think it's important to kind of give a little bit of history story to what I'm referencing, because it's kind of an epiphany moment that honestly happened yesterday for me. Like it finally just all clicked how much He relies on me sometimes and whatever energy or anxiety or anything that I'm putting out to kind of gear how he may look at his world and how it impacts him. But let me let let me take it back a little bit more than my epiphany moment yesterday. You know, a lot of changes in our worlds. Obviously, when we find out there's a certain level of stress and fear and you've got other kids, you've got, you know, your family. There's so many things. And I've talked multiple times about all the plates spinning in the air that we just have as parents and, and, you know, having partner, spouse, you know, having family and how involved and all of a sudden things change. And it's really hard not to be stressful. You're trying to understand it. You're trying to be happy on the outside, but let's be honest. Everybody knows when that is pushed. 
right? And I especially think our kids know when it's pushed. And there's that piece of just kind of accountability and, and really kind of rethinking sometimes what we bring to this as opposed to being the gap filler on academics and behavior and social, managing anxiety, coping with stress, and being able to look at their environment a little different. So one of the things that I noticed in his toughest year before we had done homeschool this last year um, in seventh grade was I, I think I had the most difficult job I've ever had in my entire life. It was really an impossible task to be successful. It didn't matter how hard I tried. It didn't matter what I tried to put in place to make it more effective in my team. There was just this feeling because the organization at the time, right before I was hired, went through the biggest change they've ever gone through in their history. And they had been around for a long time. And I'm thinking, you know, just like I always do go into a situation, I can do this. I can affect change. I'm strategic. I can build, you know, relationships, but they were not having it. It, it was not going to happen. And it didn't matter how hard I try. And I kept trying because as I've said in previous, you know, podcasts, I was bullied and I always had to work harder and I wasn't afraid to work harder. It just, it wasn't working. Right. Well, all that was happening in his worst year of school. Now, of course, academics were elevated. It was seventh grade. This is really when, you know, they start talking about, let's talk about real grades that are coming up in, in high school. Let's maybe play and, and start to dabble it a little bit. And their school did for the first time really embrace this idea of let's really do grades. Let's let's do A, B, C, D, you know, incompletes, you know, the whole nine yards. And I will say that this school was known for their academic and um, kind of collegiate um, strategy and getting kids, you know, really pushed forward in the school system, which, you know, I probably should have been paying a little bit more attention to because that really made it very difficult for Nathan. But nonetheless, I have all this stress. I'm traveling five to six hours sometimes a day. I'm leading a team that is just not supported and not wanted, to be honest with you, especially not in the structure in which it was set up in their roles. I'm fighting that. I'm fighting, you know, the change and it not working. And it was just so much going on. So I was so highly stressed. Plus I'm planning a wedding. We're moving. My son's in college dealing with all these different things. I was always impatient. I even tried to have internal conversations with myself of trying to set myself straight because I'm very aware of how I come off. You know, I'm tired. I've worked a 12 hour day and I still have three hours of homework with Nathan when I get home. Ooh, okay. You know, you lose any time for yourself. And I get that. And, and <laughs> that's probably a whole podcast, maybe too, on the importance of taking care of yourself in this journey with your child. But I noticed that, you know, he was the most stressed when I was the most stressed. When I really stopped like right now and looked back after my epiphany yesterday. <laughs> and I know he's always been extremely emotional and he can read me and he wants to please me the most. He's always worried about what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do. Now, I will say I've been hard on him. I've definitely not been the enabler parent. I definitely have held him accountable under the idea that if you want to, or he's going to want to, whether he's aware of it or not, when he gets older, want to have as much of a life that, you know, allows him to be successful and thrive and, and do what he wants to do. I couldn't enable 
how sometimes his disability affected him. Now, I'm not saying it was always right. Again, we can always look back on areas as parenting that we could do better. But we also need to take those times like I did most recently and have some clarity. Own what was there, how it affected him, and what I could do to make it better. Well, this was the year with me doing all of that. Everything kind of up in the air crazy, right? He had the worst year in school. The academics were harder. And we were just missing. If I could have identified the gap, it, it was so huge. The teachers weren't listening. They weren't communicating with me. They were having their own conversations about what they thought was going on, not including me. I mean, it, that was the year I had five or six IEPs. I, I was done. I was just done. And to be honest, you know, could they have done more? Sure. Could I have done more? Sure. Could I have had maybe a little less frustration with them when I went to talk to them? Absolutely. And I own that. Um, and that's sometimes me being human and, and, you know, giving myself sometimes a little grace and not being so hard on myself or other people. But what I learned is it, I think his struggle was not so much the school and everything, but it was me. It was me when I came home. It was, okay, did you get everything done? Okay, okay, okay. How many math problems do we need to do? Okay, all right. Okay, go sit down. Let's go. You know? Well, I don't know if you felt that, but if your parent was talking to you like that, you'd feel a little stressed. Like, oh, I, I can do it myself. Or, oh, you know, panicked, right? So I own that. I just didn't realize how much it affected him. I didn't realize how much it, it really turned his world around. So my epiphany yesterday, we're going and um, we're meeting Joel, who was on an earlier um, podcast. Um, Joel Bosterman was his senior analyst, you know, hasn't seen Nathan in probably three or four years, right? And here I am talking about, oh my gosh, he's doing so great, and this, that, and the other. And on the way there, I realized, and I kind of panicked because I have a car that needs my phone to drive. And I'm like, do I have the key in the car? Am I going to be able to start it again? Anyway, uh, dig I digress. But so I'm a little, I start to get panicked, like, oh my gosh, you know, and I literally don't know how to turn the car off without my cell phone. And I'm like, uh, I'll figure this out. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. So we're driving there. But then I realized that the only way I can communicate with Joel, who I'm meeting at a Starbucks to do an exchange, I had found some great things that Nathan doesn't play with anymore. And he's got young boys. And I thought I'm just going to, you know, give them all these things that I think they'll really enjoy. And so we're supposed to meet at a certain time. I don't have my phone. Well, what if he's late and he's trying to get a hold of me? What if, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know what car I drive because I just got a new car a couple of months ago. You know, I start to panic because I'm a very anxious person. I'm, I'm a type A, high anxiety, you know, I wake up sometimes at four in the morning having ideas and thinking about this podcast and then I can't get back to sleep, you know, so it's just, it's just me. I run a little bit fast. So I start to get stressed and I say, Nate, let me, let me have your phone. And he's like, okay. You know, which he doesn't like me to touch his phone, right? It's like, don't put anything on my phone. It's going to slow down my apps, mom. You know, I get that all the time. So I'm like, I need to download my Facebook on your, he goes, oh, Facebook. I don't want your Facebook. And I'm like, listen, 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 listen. I'm going to download it just to see if Joel sends me like a message and I, I want to respond back or say, hey, yeah, it's me in the red car or blah, 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 blah. He's looking at me like, no, I don't want you doing it. I'm like, oh, I'm not asking. Like at this point, I'm telling you I'm going to download it. I can always take it off. He is getting really mad with me. 
take the phone. I start downloading it. Well, send me because, you know, I don't know about you, but I cannot remember passwords to save my life. I try to do the same one and then I get stressed out because that is security and then I change it and I don't know what I changed it to. And I try to write it down and, but I've changed it. And then my kids have access to some of mine. It goes on and on and on. So I can't get into my Facebook. So I am stressing like, oh my God, what's my, so I'm like, you know what? I need to call my husband. So I call my husband who has my phone because I left it there and I called him on Nate's phone and said, where's my, you have my phone, blah, blah, blah. So he's managing my phone at this point. He says, somebody called, I call it back. It was, you know, it's a sales call. It wasn't him. I go, go into my messages. Well, my husband doesn't have Facebook. He's like, well, what do I do? I'm like, okay, the message. And so anyways, I'm going on and on and on. Well, Nate is listening and he's feeling right now my anxiety. It's big. (laughs) I'm certainly a very outwardly gregarious person and I'm not a quiet, anxious person. I just get a little more elevated. I'm, I'm walking fast, you know, and he's feeling it, right? He gets mad at me once I finally get off the phone. He's like, don't you ever take my phone again. And he can be a little, you know, with me. Um, he probably just gets irritated with me because it's me and him most of the time. But he's like, don't ever take my phone again. And I don't want Facebook on there. And it's just going to mess up my apps. And I can't believe you didn't ask me for my permission. And I'm like, oh, la, 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 la. Okay, 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 okay. I'm sorry, Nate. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, and he's just wound. And I had no idea how wound he was until Joel gets there, right? So finally, Joel comes, I tell him, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like acting like a spaz at this point because I'm like thinking he knows what's gone on the last five minutes, which is my own issue. Um, (laughs) He's kind of laughing and everything. And then he says, hi to Nate. Well, Nathan is very verbose. Okay. He talks a lot. I've had to have conversations recently with him about realizing that when the teacher asks on distance learning on a zoom meeting, a question, you don't have to answer every question. Like there are other people in class had to draw something on the board to talk to him about taking turns because he was turning into one of those kids that, you know, all of us can have a moment to relate to of you'd go to school and you'd have that one, maybe two kids in the class that were always answering the questions. And you're like, okay, could the rest of us have a chance? Well, I'm watching some of these Zoom calls in class. I'm like, okay, we're going to nip that in the bud. So at the end, I'll kind of tell you how I did that because it was a a cool way to handle that. But nonetheless, he's mad. And he's so in his head. I mean, he is glossed over in eyes right now because he's so mad at me and so emotional about what just happened. He can't even talk. Joel's asking him, hey, Nate, how you doing? He's like, Good. How are you? Stops talking and he's looking around and I'm looking at him going, Oh my gosh, that's what would happen to him when we meet at family functions or even go on vacation when he was younger. And he would just, he would have that, like he would look and then he'd look away. He's not really paying attention. He's doing his own thing. Well, he's so in his head because he's so mad at me because he's so emotionally connected to me. And even though He was mad at me because of what I did to him. He also has those moments when he feels my intensity, my energy to the point now where most of the time he can say to me when we're doing homework and I'm getting irritated. And it's usually when he's not paying attention, right? Like when he's not getting into it, we have this thing where I give him when his, when his brain's on, I give him tallies and I get to five and he gets an extra five minute break or he gets something that he wants, you know, sometimes little, he can keep the five minutes and add them. And anyway, 
I do this because I'm really trying to teach him when focus and brain on is important. Well, there are times when his brain's not on. I get frustrated. I'm like, dude, we need to get this done. He's like, why are you making this go so fast? I'm like, well, do you want to do math for five hours? No, I don't. But you are sassy and I don't appreciate it. You know, so he is able to communicate and tell me. But then, of course, both of us have to calm down. But at this moment, he's not communicating with Joel. And I'm almost kind of like, dang, I really wanted this to be a moment. Again, shouldn't have been about me. But being honest, of like Joel seeing like what he was a part of in the beginning that was so hard. And I give him so much prop for being creative and strategic. He's one of my favorite people. And, you know, he's talking to Nathan and he hasn't really talked to him in like four or five years. Okay. Because our lives, you know, crazy and he's got new baby coming and he's got two other young kids, whatever the case may be. And Nate can't even finish a sentence. And I get in the car and I'm like, ah, What? You know, I just, and I guess I wanted to give Joel something, right? To just go, Joel, see what I'm talking about? Look how great he's doing. And he didn't give him that. But God, what a present it gave to me. Because when I sat there for a second and realized, wow, I can really mess him up just by being sometimes me and having to own that. And also, what a great opportunity for me to teach Nathan, how to cope with that, because I can't change who I am, right? We can all sit there and say, we should be more like this with our kids on the spectrum, right? I get it, but we're not perfect. And I think we all have to acknowledge as parents of kids on the spectrum that our level of anxiety is always kind of at like a strong five to seven, right? We learn to live in that space. And that's hard. It's partly why I work out as much as I do. It's probably why I have wine sometimes. (laughs) But I don't know that it ever goes away. And when you spin that long at that level, and then you have the slightest thing that impacts your world, you can go to 10 real quick. And they feel it. They probably get used to the 5 to 7. But when you go to 10... They feel it. It affects them. And you just have to be aware of it. But also when you get to a point where you can really have a conversation with them about owning that emotional effect, that would be good. It would be real good. And it's also something that because he's so emotional, I use for him to understand And so I'll give you the example that I was referring to about school. So on the first day of school, you know, it's all about the teachers getting to know the kids and kind of getting social. It's awkward because it's on Zoom meeting and, you know, and Nathan's like waving to people while the teacher's talking. And I'm like, okay, honey, that's probably not the most respectful thing to do. And he's like, why? What? You know, and and again, we have to explain those things and and he's fine. But, you know, he was so excited (laughs) And I love that about him because it's such genuine excitement to, to start and, and to see people and, and not necessarily the homework part, but definitely school from a social perspective. And so he gets on there and of course he wants to answer the questions first. So they ask, you know, okay, so who wants to tell me about themselves and, you know, what they like and like maybe what's their favorite food and, you know, just the generic kind of answers. And so Nate gets on there and he answers and he answers this, that, and the other, and then somebody else gets on. 
and they say something and they add this other thing like, oh, and I like Star Wars. So then Nate's like, oh, and I like Star Wars too. And I'm listening going, okay, one time's fine. And the next person gets on and starts talking and, you know, and he's like adding every single time somebody says something. And so I finally am like, okay, I kind of just walk by him. I, you know, I try not to, you know, be saying things too much when he's on the Zoom call because they can see his face and you should see the expressions he gives me. And he's like, what, mom? You know, irritated as all heck. And I'm like, okay, people can see you. Okay, I'm just gonna wait till it's over. So we get over with the class and I get on the board and I say, hey, can I show you something? I, I wanna talk to you a little bit about why I was kind of trying to interrupt you, but obviously I needed to wait to tell you this. So I write the name of his teacher at the top and I say, here's Mr. So-and-so, right? And his thing is that he wants to get to know all you kids. Like he wants to get to know his class. And yet he still has to, you know, teach a little bit. He's got an agenda and he's got a certain amount of time to do it. He's like, okay. So I say, Mr. Johnson has an hour and a half to talk about all these things and get to know you. Great. So then I put down all the people in his class, right? So Nathan, Zach, you know, Judy, whatever. There was like six of them that I put down there because I was just trying to make my point. I said, okay, so before I talk about, you know, each of these people, I want to put over here personality traits for you to understand why this is so important. He goes, okay. So I say, you know, you, you're not afraid. You're not shy. You like to talk. Then you've got Zach, who is a chatty Kathy per se. He wants to talk and he wants to talk, 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 talk. And he takes up a lot of time. Then you have like Judy down here that's, you know, she's really soft-spoken and she's actually stressed right now because she doesn't really want to talk. She's very self-conscious. And then you've got the other one down here that, you know, maybe doesn't feel really confident just speaking out loud and different things. And so I'm putting these personality traits because I know my son is an emotional kid. And he looks at me when I say, when you keep talking and you keep adding all these things, I think it creates sometimes more anxiety for the ones that don't want to because they don't enjoy it. And they can certainly see you're enjoying it, but it's also like, can they just get it over with? He literally looked at me like, I didn't know. I'm like, I know. I know you didn't know, babe. But those are the kind of things that you just need to be aware of. When you get your chance to talk, talk and do what you want to do. When you have the answer to a question, raise your hand, don't blurt it out. Give other people time to get there. And that's when you can build kind of connections with everybody on the call, not just with your teacher, right? Yeah, that's right. Hasn't done it since. You know, in fact, he comes out, tells me, now I didn't talk a lot, mom. I just answered a couple questions and then I was good. I was listening. Awesome, right? And he's so proud of himself. But again, to get back to the original thing that we're talking about is that he's an emotional person. If once I put those people up on the board and I said, these are the kind of people they are and this is how they feel and they want to say something or they're apprehensive, he then understood why it was so important to let them have their turn to not interrupt and to listen and engage and make them feel comfortable. I think sometimes, you know, to be able to find that peace, even though this emotional side of him and how I act and react to him affects him so deeply. And I do catch myself a lot, but I am me, right? And, and he has to get to know other people. We're not going to live, you know, in a world where everybody is kind of monotone and don't get upset with him. Because when somebody gets upset with him, he reacts way too strongly. You know, the other day, and I felt so bad. 
I have to tell you. Uh, he had a meeting with his speech teacher, who was one of the most loveliest men. He's so soft-spoken and he's so gentle. And he's, he's just one of the most engaging people from a standpoint of just, he's in the moment, right? He's a good listener and he has the right heart to do this job, but he's not a strong personality. And Nathan is a very strong personality. He is my son. And you can see that aspect in his personality. Well, the speech teacher did not send the connection to the Zoom call until 104. Well, Nathan and I have been working on the fact that he has to set alarms when I'm not home. I'm trying to play with that a little bit. I might go to the store and I say, hey, your class starts in 20 minutes. Can you put a 17 minute timer on your phone so you can get on and get set up and sure, sure, sure. So he did that. I was not at the house. Speech teacher was late. So he proceeds to tell the speech teacher how that was not okay, that he was not organized to have sent him the link so that he wasn't late. And then he proceeds to say, and you've done this a couple times. I hear this. He tells me flat out. The first thing he says, are you mad at me? I, I hope you're not mad at me. And he starts panicking. I said, here's the thing. It's not mad. But can I give you a suggestion maybe next time on how to handle that better? But here's what I did. Before I said that, I said, let me tell you a little bit about your speech teacher. This is the kind of person he is. He's very much in the moment. He's a great listener. He's present, which a lot of us need to work on and being present in the moment. And I think because of that, sometimes he loses track of time or he is in a great conversation with another student and it goes a little bit longer. And I said to him, you need to show him grace. If he's late because he had something else going on, he probably felt bad. And I think you may have made it worse. Of course, I had to really watch when I said that because that just kind of threw him. And then he got tears in his eyes and he's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, hey, hey breathe. We all do it. <laughs> we all sometimes overreact. But here's what I'd like you to do is before you get mad at someone, take a moment to think about them. Think about who they are. Sometimes what could happen and show them grace. Give them that space to sometimes not be perfect because none of us are. Give yourself grace that you might be late. It's okay. We're going to try not to, but it doesn't make you a bad person and it doesn't make it, you know, you disrespectful or anything like that. And I think that you should make sure that, you know, you let him know that, oh, mom, I, I told him at the end that I was sorry, but I was really more worried that he was going to email you and you're going to be mad at me. And I said, well, I'm not mad at you. But it also shows me that maybe, you know, we need to take some time to talk about that and to talk about when you get frustrated and when you feel emotional and when you get worried and how do you center yourself? How do you cope? You know, coping strategies are a big deal and you don't want to get too mad and you certainly don't want to get frustrated at someone that's trying to help you, right? And he's like, okay, I, I understand. I understand. And this is not something that one conversation is going to, you know, make it all right right? I mean, for any of us, I mean, I still am sometimes struggling with my coping abilities and what, what I own and what I don't take on and, and all those things. And, but it was a great moment to take all of that going on in the last two days and to really see him, see the emotional piece and how I can use that not to make him feel bad, but to make him more self-aware, to have him own what 
he does and who he is in moments like that and how he can cope. And instead of sometimes being so frustrated on the situation and only thinking of himself, that he thinks of someone else first and he approaches that with grace, that he approaches it with grace. And that is the brilliance of sometimes seeing what certain sensory and input, and it's not all environmental. A lot of times it's emotional. And just being aware that they pick up on who you are and what's going on, and they can, they can feed the energy. They can feel it, and they can, they can feed it in themselves, not even knowing it. And that is something that we have to just pause sometimes, you know, in our efforts to be present, in our efforts to, if we can, in moments, put a bubble around what's going on with each one of our kids and just, you know, give them that look, give them that connection, really listen and, and, and see them. That we also take a moment sometimes in how we're being perceived. You know, we talk about perception and, and really being able to perceive our child we are some of the biggest influencers, good and bad, on our kids. And just owning that, but taking it one step further and seeing how we could use it to empower them, helps them with coping, and they start to become aware and more confident. That is the beauty. That is the beauty of this. And it's really what worked for him. It's toolbox time on ASD Warrior. So for your ASD toolbox, um, I think we want to talk about awareness. Awareness of, of who you are, how you impact your child, how you can create a better situation and sometimes make things worse. Owning what you give off sometimes and in good, bad not stressful, stressful, really seeing how that affects your child and then finding maybe that core thing, be it emotional connection to your child, um, being, you know, love, affection, whatever that thing that might be just yours and your child and try to use that to create awareness and to give them some coping strategies. So that would be my challenge is to really write down when you know you've been stressful and what that did to your kid and your kids and, and your family, how that affected the situation. And it, you really have to dig on this one because if you aren't overtly stressed, like I, I get, it's when you're stressed and you try to hide it, right? That counts too. They feel that too. And then find something when you knew you were just happy and relieved and you were present and you were playful and nothing else mattered. And, you know, you were in that moment and write down what you saw and how that affected your child and see how those two things affected them, what you did to overcome, help them cope, build some strength maybe in your child 
And really stay focused to that and think about that often because life happens and we go back and forth in anxiety and stress and different things that are going on. And, you know, not only will it make you healthier and probably live longer to, f- to figure out how to balance and cope with that, meditate, yoga, whatever you need to do, wine. Um, it also makes it easier for them and it gives you moments of clarity, what you need to see and how you need to support their growth and, and their confidence and, and whatever it is that they're doing. And I think you'll really be able to see some things that in the long run, just make everything better. So until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to ASD Warrior. For more information and resources, please connect with us at asdwarrior.com. Subscribe and become a member of the ASD Warrior Village. Together, we can do more.